Now, this morning, Sky News are carrying pictures of orange skies over Auckland in New Zealand. That's 1,200 miles away from Australia's raging bushfires. Witnesses are describing it as apocalyptic. They're also saying their breathing has been affected by the smoke from the blazes. We're told that hours before the sun was due to set, streetlights in Auckland had to be turned on early and motors were forced to use headlights because the plumes of smoke had made the skies so dark. And that's 1,200 miles away from those uh, the bushfires in Australia that have been raging across the east of the country for weeks now. Uh, they're showing no sign of abating this weekend. The Prime Minister is finding himself under a huge amount of pressure over his handling of the crisis. I'm joined now on the line from Canberra by Marcus Mannheim of the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Um, Marcus, welcome. Can you give us an outline of the situation as it stands right now? Hi, good evening, Brendan. Yes, sure, that's right. Um, well, I can tell you a little about where about little. I can tell you a little bit about where I am, Canberra. It's uh, the world's most polluted city at the moment, and it has been for uh, many days now. Now, this is uh, normally a pristine mountain city. It's the capital. It's just under half a million people. Normally, beautifully clear air and water, and that situation that you described in Auckland, so far away is pretty much what we've been uh, living in through for weeks. I, um, I should point out that I'm actually not that close to any fires at the moment. The, the only significant blaze is about 50 kilometres away, 75 kilometres away. But, but these fires are just so huge. They're so enormous and, and they've been burning for so long that they're affecting everything and everyone in this part of Australia, this very large part of Australia. So um, I can tell you what that means here in Canberra. It means people are wearing masks outside all the time. Um, we had a normal sunny day today, but I didn't see the sun at all. It was just a orangey-red haze. At times it gets very dark, and there's the smell of, uh, of fire, of wood fire everywhere. You just can't escape it. It doesn't matter what building you're in. The uh, smoke is getting into almost every building in the city. I think uh, most government organisations are shut. We have uh, many businesses shut. Indoor swimming pools and gyms are shut. Um, we, we've even had, uh, as an example, local hospitals that are suspending a range of procedures because uh, the smoke is affecting medical equipment. Uh, MRI, MRI machines, for example, that can't work properly in these situations. And again, this is just Canberra where I am, but this is the situation that faces so much of Southeast Australia at the moment. And of course, um, Southeast Australia is where most Australians actually live, where where people who are crowded up against the Southeast coast for Mm -hmm. the most part. Um, So again, this city is not on fire. We're not even that close to the fire, but it's... um, it's it's affecting everyone. Marcus, we saw that this weekend, I think Sydney was going to be the hottest place on earth. And there there was a suggestion at one point, I think, that uh, one of the suburbs of Sydney could be under threat from the fire. What What's happening around Sydney now? Yeah, sure. Um, well, it wasn't just this weekend. The um, Sydney, uh, the city just shy of 6 million people, has been... Under pretty much for a month, it's been under constant bushfire alert. There have been fires that have been breaking out in the western suburbs of the city. Uh, we just had yesterday uh, a 48 degree day, a 
48 degrees Celsius day in the west of Sydney. It was the hottest part of the world. Uh, and that was 22 degrees Celsius higher than the January average. Uh, this is happening all over Australia. In my city of Canberra, we had uh, a 44-degree day yesterday. That's another record falling. Uh, it's about 15 degrees hotter than it normally is in, in January. And I guess we've been kind of growing inured to this sort of pattern in recent years. Each year tends to be hotter than the last. We've had um, new, re- new uh, temperature records set most years, for, for, for many years in a row now, as just with the changing climate, uh, but um, with the changing climate, but this, this season uh, has become something else. The heat is unbearable. We have strong, hot, dry winds. Um, uh, this is coming on the back of an extended drought in southeast Australia, and it has sparked this bushfire season, which is uh, just something that is uh, like nothing Australia has ever seen before. And, now, and I gather you might not have... Sorry, Mark. I gather you might not have seen the worst of it, that this is very early on in the normal bushfire season. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we're about, well, we're one month into summer. Um, I think uh, we have two months, not only of summer left, but... No one uh, in the Bureau of Meteorology here can foresee any significant rain falling for at least two months. Uh, a massive rain downfall is the only thing that will help us at this point. Um, either two things will happen. We'll either get that rainfall or it's quite possible that these fires will only end uh, when they have essentially burnt through everything. Um, it, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to put the scale of these fires into context, but uh, there is no question that this is, um, it's not just a bad fire season in Australia. This is very much, it's a global ecological catastrophe. The amount of carbon that would be released by these fires is absolutely immense. We're talking about the, the, the amount of carbon pollution a country like Australia, which is a significant country, might uh, produce an entire year. Um, you put that again just through these fires on top of our usual pollution. It's the, the amount of uh, flora and fauna species that will be affected uh, and a whole range of subspecies possibly made extinct as a result of the fires over the past month. We can't begin to count that yet because it's too hard to go into the areas that are being affected. But um, there will be very significant numbers of subspecies that uh, will no longer exist after these fires are finished. It, has it focused people's attention on um, on global warming as as an issue there? Yeah, I, I'd say very much so. I think, again, as I mentioned before, Australians are used to disasters. It's, it can be a harsh country at times. But the fact that this one is just not ending. It keeps going. There is no sign of these massive fires um, being quelled or being beaten in any way. People are genuinely scared. They haven't seen this type of destruction before. And part of the difficulty for the Prime Minister um, at the moment is that he's the leading party, the, the Liberal National Coalition in, in power in Australia, have largely been uh, a very passive force in the global climate debate. They have been 
Australia has been an obstructive force in international climate negotiations for uh, for many years. I'd say about um, six years or so, they have very deliberately um, obstructed agreements to cut emissions. Um, this is largely because uh, Australia is, is a, uh, a significant coal mining and gas mining country that exports much of the world's uh, fossil fuels. Um, I think, though, at the time when most countries are looking to reduce their reliance on fossil fuels, uh, the government, government government has been making much of its plan to expand fossil fuel exports. And I think they can't really separate themselves now from that very aggressive role they've played as uh, in pushing against climate uh, climate action. And I think that is fueling some of the anger uh, that we've had directed at the Prime Minister over the past uh, two weeks in particular. And t- tell us now, about that up. anger against Scott Morrison. We we saw those um, yeah. I- I- images from a, a town where he went to walk about uh, last week. Cabargo, was it? Uh, yeah, that's right. It's a town quite nearby here. Yeah, yeah I think, well, he, he was, uh, I guess... Over the Christmas season, many politicians do take a, a short holiday. He was on a bit of an extended holiday in Hawaii, and he didn't cut or stop that holiday, despite knowing, I guess, that these fires were getting extremely serious. And by the time he came back, I think a lot of the damage for him personally was already done. He's uh, he's tried to show that he's been active since returning by making a series of announcements. Um, some of them, for example, uh, 3,000 defence reservists have been called up compulsorily to be deployed to fire-affected areas. Now, that hasn't happened before in Australia's history. We don't get those types of compulsory call-ups of reservists. He announced today a, a, a bushfire recovery agency. Um, but I think uh, some of the... We, Australia is a, is a federal, federal system. We have states and a national government. Um, it's the states and their fire agencies that are currently fighting the fires. They've been openly frustrated with being left out of any of the negotiations um, about these announcements that the Prime Minister is making. And these uh, senior public servants who head these agencies, who are extremely busy fighting fires at the moment, have actually been quite directly open and political in their criticism of the Prime Minister. Uh, that, of course, doesn't usually happen. Public servants don't do that. But um, such is the anger, I think, that's been directed at the confusing role that the Prime Minister is playing uh, as he tries to show he is an active Prime Minister after being on holiday, that um, I think he's only damaging himself further. I gather he's actively attempting to deflect blame away from himself today, is he? Uh, it's, he has been attempting to remind people, I guess, that fighting fires is the state, is the responsibility of the various states that are affected, uh, which is seen as casting blame and doesn't look particularly good. Um, and then at the same time, he's saying that the federal government, the national government, will play a coordinating role and a leading role. And those two messages don't really um, sync with each other. Um, again, adding to, I guess, the confusing around his confusion around his political messaging at the moment. Marcus, I, the I picture don't you... think there's any way he can successfully salvage his reputation 
at the moment, given how distraught and upset people are, and, and then there's that overhanging issue, of course, of uh, of climate change, because I think it's very apparent to most people that this is uh, this is real climate change, what it looks like now. Marcus, the picture you painted at the beginning of Canberra, the pictures we're, we're seeing of these these walls of flames, these enormous fires, and I gather uh, with one wind change, you can go from being <clears throat> not in danger to suddenly in danger. It's all very unpredictable. Is there an air of panic out there? How are people be- behaving around the streets? Are people going about their normal lives? Or and, like, This idea that no, there's no, no potential end to it. Um. I think that's the, the worst aspect is that um, it's not ending. Um, so in the lesser affected communities, like, for example, my city, where at the moment it's just the blight of smoke that we're dealing with, um, there, there is no, there's no forecast that this is going to end for months. And this is a whole city where shops and organisations just can't operate. Um, I'm in a new studio at the moment and the smell of bushfire smoke is everywhere. We're trying to work with um, thick masks on our faces at all times. Um, it's that's just what life is like. In the actual, the other thing is that this was uh, these fires have taken place during the summer holidays when many Australians in uh, the southeast generally head to small beach villages and towns. One of the things that has really contributed to panic is that. Many of those towns where people went to uh, were cut off by the fires because they, they grew mm-hmm. so massive so quickly. They forced roads to be closed. They, um, this caused many thousands of people to be stuck by the beaches as the fires just swept through towards all of these communities. Um, we had the Navy having to extract thousands of people from some beachside places uh, with naval ships and helicopters. Uh, these towns were cut off from mobile telephone coverage for days, many of them. Some of them had their treatment plants knocked out and so they didn't have clean drinking water. Uh, there was power supply shutdowns and there was shortages of food and fuel. Now, all this has been happening over the two weeks, over the last two weeks in a wealthy developed country that yeah. doesn't deal with these issues at all. Yeah, okay. Um, Mar- and again, Marcus, it's, a, it's, it's ongoing. Yeah, it's an extraordinary picture you paint and uh, God, look after yourself. Okay, thank you very much, Marcus Mannheim from ABC Canberra and we'll take a break. 